0: and younger Amen. <laughs> that's called gentle encouragement go <laughs> that's funny that's good Wow y'all gonna have a good load that this morning that's good Wow wonderful congregation this morning. Glad that you're here today. If you've been keeping up with our series entitled The Christmas Touch, then you know that we've been learning how God, first of all, has touched us by being the great shepherd, our redeeming savior, and the Lord of our lives. Then we learned that uh, by identifying with the innkeeper, that we found that we too need to make room for Jesus in our lives and touch other people, touch our neighbors, uh, and allow God to do that through us. Then we connected with those shepherds out in the field who received that glorious good news that was for all people, even overlooked people. Finally, we saw that Joseph handled that first Christmas crisis with great grace. He handled that crisis and in doing so, encouraged us to treat our physical family and our spiritual family with much grace. Today, we're going to finish up the Christmas touch and I pray that we'll learn that today is a time to touch heaven. But first, I want to share with you about a man who went to see his doctor, and he was in this utter state of anxiety. He said, Doctor, you've got to help me. I'm dying. Everywhere I touch, it hurts. I touch my head, and it hurts. I touch my stomach, and it hurts. I touch my chest, and it hurts. I touch my leg, and it hurts. Everything is hurting. And so the doctor gave him a complete exam and came back and said, Sir, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is you're not dying. The bad news is your finger's broken. <laughs> now as corny as that is, it is interesting how the same event can have both good news and bad news. I was reminded of this in the beginning of that Charles Dickens classic, A Tale of Two Cities. Do you remember how that classic starts? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And that could have been easily said of the times in which Jesus was born. You see, Judea was being ruled by the oppressive Roman Empire. Augustus Caesar was the emperor, and he had permitted Herod to rule over Judea. During this time, people were scrambling just to make a living, and poverty was widespread. Sickness was very common. However, justice was not very common. And to make things worse, for over 400 years, the prophets of God had been dead silent. Not a word from God for over 400 years. And the question was being asked, where is this Messiah? Where is this Savior that all of these prophets have been talking about? Where is this anointed one that the Old Testament speaks over and over and over again about where's he at? You see, for many in the nation of Israel, it was the worst of times. But curiously, there were some religious stargazers in Persia who were looking at things a little bit differently. They had observed this unusual planetary alignment and it made the brightest star they had ever seen. And this was an omen for them. It was a good omen for them and it signified the birth of a world leader. For these magi in Persia, the wise men, it was the best of times. It's what they were looking forward to. However, for Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first Christmas day could have probably been both. The best day and the worst day. After going through all the events of that first Christmas day, we find that Mary was filled with wonder. We read last week in Luke 2.19, that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, Mary had a lot to think about. There was a lot to ponder. A lot had happened. Maybe she was reflecting, looking back nine months earlier. Because you see, in Luke chapter 1, Mary illustrates... Two times when people can touch heaven. Two times, friend, when we can respond to God's work in our lives. There are two times when we can touch God with our praise. There are two times when we can best demonstrate the Christmas touch. The Word of God in Luke chapter 1, that's on page 903, and the Bible's in front of you. I would encourage you to follow along with me, because in Luke chapter 1, Luke writes down Mary's reflections of what happened nine months earlier. Beginning in verse 26, Luke chronicles writing, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel then departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded into my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. And listen to what Mary said. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he is who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down mighty the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her house. Two times... Two times when we can respond to the work of God in our life. Notice the first time that we can touch heaven is when we touch God with praise in the good times. Would you agree with me that it's easy to praise God in the good times? Amen? When the news came to Mary about being chosen to carry the Savior of the world. She was amazed. She was blown away at the wonder of it all. The angel said Mary was highly favored. And can I tell you that being highly favored by God certainly would be considered great news. Would you agree with that? I think Mary immediately recognized the privilege of it all. Recognized that she was selected by God Almighty to carry this long-awaited Messiah, this long-awaited Savior. I suspect she knew very well that she could have been just another nameless, faceless peasant girl from an obscure, unnoticed village. But she doesn't congratulate herself. She doesn't boast or brag. She doesn't come across as if she's earned it in some way. Instead, what does she do? She celebrates God. She magnifies the Lord. She reaches out to God and touches him with praise in the midst of these wonderful times. What does Mary do in the midst of good times? Friend, she touches God with praise. Do you touch God with praise when the good times are here? When you're on the mountaintops, friend, do you touch God with praise? We ought to. Clearly, Mary sees a most remarkable thing about God. Here he is, about to change the course of human history. Here he is, about to give birth to the most incredible three decades known to human beings. And where is God? What's he up to? He's occupying himself with two obscure, humble women of all things. One of them, an old barren preacher's wife. The other one, a young virgin peasant girl. And Mary's response is very powerful here. She excitedly sings out a song of her own making. It's a song of worship. The Bible says that she said... My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, friend, that word magnifies is a powerful word that really expresses who God is to her. She was mega excited, you might say. And then when Mary says, my spirit rejoices over God my Savior, she uses a word here that means she was utterly overjoyed at the prospect of being used. By the hand of God. She effectively says, My spirit is overjoyed in God, my personal Savior. There's unspeakable joy here that is simply too difficult to express. And while Mary speaks of many characteristics of God here, I want you to notice one in particular, the God that Mary sings about is a saving God. The God that Mary is singing about is not a God that you've got to plead with. He's not a God that you have to beg to save you. No, by his very nature, God saves those who... Who reach out to him. Whether they're in the best of times. Or in the worst of times. And so that leads us to this second time. When you and I as the people of God can touch heaven. And that is we can touch God with praise in the bad times. You see, when news came to Mary about being chosen to carry the baby Jesus, she had to wonder, man, in this maze of events, how am I going to be affected? What's this going to do to my life? How is my life going to be turned upside down? You see, it was certainly the best of times being selected by the hand of God and all. But how many of you know? that the cost of being highly favored by God can sometimes be considered bad times. Did you hear that? Can I tell you that being highly favored by God often comes with a great cost on your life? It did for Mary. Here she was, a sexually innocent teenager, about to have a child out of wedlock she has to tell her fiance this unbelievable story that she has somehow become pregnant by God as we mentioned week before last Joseph wasn't buying what she was selling he wasn't initially agreeing with what she was telling him And so here we have a disappointed and a confused fiance, And to go with it, she now has a soiled reputation that would certainly bring ridicule and pointing fingers and those those stares in the village. But eventually Joseph does get it right. And he takes Mary as his wife. But to make an emotionally difficult pregnancy far worse, Now it's time to take a trip to Bethlehem because it's time for the census. And they get to Bethlehem and as the children said Wednesday, they want no room at the hotel. (laughs) And if that wasn't bad enough, the real contractions start kicking in. This baby is on the way. And so the best they can do is a stable which was not the most desirable location to give birth to a child but it had some privacy until such time as the shepherds show up. But there's an important point that I'm trying to make here for you today and it concerns the attitude of Mary. What does Mary do in the midst of the bad times. She touches God with praise. Friends, we find that Mary is a true worshiper of God. You can tell when a person is a true worshiper of God because they go through the circumstances of life. They go through the mountaintops and the valleys of life. And they do so with an unadulterated contentment and an unchanging joy. Mary treasured up all these things. She pondered them in her heart. And there was plenty to ponder, amen? And there was plenty also to be content about. Mary had this... Uncanny willingness to make herself available to be used by God. Had this willingness, friend, to be usable by God. A willingness to be obedient to God, no matter whether it was good times or bad times. No matter which one. Through the hardship or through the mountaintop. She gave praise to God. So you are confronted with the same choice. To touch God with praise through the good times and the bad times. You see, there there are two times, but there's only one response. There are two times, but there is only one response for the Christian. Whether the good times or in the bad times, we're to touch God with our praise. Now, this time of year, more than any other time of year, this should be a time of worship. Because that's the true spirit of Christmas, is worship. But I think that we would probably all agree with a quote by Gordon Dahl. Gordon Dahl who said, In our culture, we tend to worship our work, work in our play, and play at our worship. how true these words seem to be especially at this time of year but friends this is not a time to play this time of year is a time for the most insane worship Because there's good news all about us. You and I are the beneficiaries of great news of unspeakable joy. The distance between man and God was not caused by God. It was caused by man. But God stepped in. And through Jesus, our Savior, He has bridged that gap that we have caused with our sin. He did it just like He promised He'd do it. He took the initiative. He bridged that gap. And this, my friends, is worth your worship. You don't have anything else to worship God for. You've got that. And there's nothing greater. We have the opportunity to celebrate God's promise-keeping character and the privilege of being a permanent member of the family of God. Is there anything more worthy of worship than that? Now, for some, life is pretty sweet right now. As the Australians say, no worries, mate. Things are great. Families all around you. There's sufficient money in the bank. This is a time of happiness for you. But for others, Life may be a bit more bittersweet and difficult today. Perhaps you're dealing with the loss of a loved one. Perhaps you're dealing with the challenges of poor physical health. you know for even others life is just pretty much sour right now. Perhaps you're living paycheck to paycheck and you don't know how that utility bill is going to get paid. Maybe you're just sick of being sick. Maybe nothing seems to be going your way. Maybe you wonder, why am I still here? You may say, Brother Bill, I'm sorry. I just ain't got a single thing to celebrate this year. But I want to tell you something. Every single one of us here today have got reason to celebrate. And the reason for the celebration comes from the words of the angel Gabriel right there in verse 37 where the Bible says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Your situation's not permanent because nothing's impossible with God. Whatever you're facing today, it's not impossible for God to change it. That situation's not permanent until God says it's permanent. Understand what Mary did. She gave praise to God both in the good times and in the bad times. In the times of gain and in the times of loss, she gave praise to God. whether atop the mountain or in the bottom of the valley. She gave praise to God. And so as we sing our final hymns and we pray our final prayers of the Christmas season, I want you to stop this morning. And I want you to think of the great things that God has done for you. Namely, Offering you a life here that is beyond expectation. And also offering you, through faith in Jesus Christ, a life eternal like you cannot begin to imagine or fathom. And he offered that to you because he loves you and he wants you with him. So let your praise this Christmas be rooted in this reality, friend. Are you ready for this? Say amen if you're ready. Here it comes. God is no longer far off. God is always nearby. He's always nearby. God is with us in Jesus. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you just for you being you, loving your people, sending a Savior to bridge that gap where we no longer have to live this life in fear of what's coming beyond this life, but we can have the absolute assurance, Lord, that we can be saved from sin and granted an eternal home in heaven. My Lord, I pray if there's one in this room who does not have that absolute assurance that heaven is their home, that they would not walk out of this building until they have seen for themselves what the Word of God says about how they can be saved from sin and how heaven can be their eternal home. Oh Lord, would you bless them that way? Lord, you give them the courage to take a step of faith. Lord, we'll show them the rest of the way. Not by anything that we say or we can do. By, Lord, what you have done through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We celebrate you today. And we worship you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing.